Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 164 of the Flying Free Podcast. Before we begin this episode, I need to give a disclaimer. We will be using the word ass in this podcast episode, possibly quite a bit, because our guest, Sir Andrew Bauman of Sherwood Forest, has a brand new book out (laughs) called How Not to Be an Ass. And we're going to be talking about that today, among other things. So if you have kids, you may want to listen to this when they aren't around. And if you are a member of the church police, just turn around and go home because there's nothing to see here. Just a couple of terrible Christians having a totally rebellious conversation using some naughty words found in the Bible, strangely enough. And there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, stuff and fluff, as Winnie the Pooh would say. For the rest of you, are you guys ready to have some rebellious fun? Let's welcome our guest, Andrew Bauman, to the podcast. Thank Hi, you so Andrew. much for having me. <laughs> so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Say, um, I just want to let everyone know that Sir Andrew Bauman of Sherwood Forest does have cred <laughs> behind him. And I think he will tell you that he is fully capable of being an ass which I'm sure we're going to get to later, right? But he also has some solid credentials behind him. He's the founder and director of the Christian Counseling Center for Sexual Health and Trauma. He's a licensed mental health counselor with a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. That is a mouthful. Good grief. It is. It is. He's also the author of lots of books. I didn't even realize until I read the, read the list. He's the author of his, his newest book is How Not to Be an yes. The Sexually Healthy yes. Man, Floating Away, Stumbling Toward Wholeness, The Psychology of Porn. And he co-authored a book with his wife, Dr. Christy Bauman. I love being able to say that. It's mm-hmm. called A Brave Lament. And it was a yes. book and an award-winning film. So yes. All right. I want to talk. Yeah. I want to talk about your naughty new book, but, and we're going to get to Mm -hmm. that in a little bit, but first of all, a couple of the women in my program had some questions specifically for you. And apparently you're a popular figure over there and they want to know all the things from Andrew. So let's do it. This first question is a follow-up to our interview, which we did in 2019. And if you, if those of you who are listening, if you want to go back and listen to that one, it's episode 41 it's called the intersection between abuse and pornography. So she heard that interview and she wanted to do a follow-up question. And actually that okay. was kind of what spurred this on, but also your book happened to come out at the same time. And it was like, yes, yeah, this is a must. So she wanted to know how you would advise a woman who discovers that her husband is using pornography and then she confronts him with it. Mm-hmm. And then he retaliates against her. And even gets other spiritual leaders or family members to defend him against her confrontation, almost like she's the bad person because she's making a big deal out of it or something. What should she, what should she do next? What what would her, yeah. Sadly, that is an all too common story that I'm sure you hear as well, but I hear it all the time. Um, And that's just part of the gaslighting. That's part of the, the man defending himself so he can continue to act out. And my, my 
my advice, my counsel would be to trust your body, trust your gut. If something feels off, if something about his presence, um, like it's most likely correct. Your body yeah. is good. God resides in your body. So trust your body. And so if he starts gaslighting, bringing in, you know, sadly pastors and other most likely men who want to justify their pornographic style of relating, um, sadly, you need to find voices like yours, like mine, others who understand this dynamic more fully to say that's not okay. Porn is, is not okay, even though it's normalized. Yes. Even though yeah. it's common. Yes. All that is true. And many men um, struggle with pornography and they can get help from actually quality resources that are dealing with the core issues, the core brokenness, the core wounding, rather than just talking about behavior modification and just skipping the surface. Uh, porn is a much deeper issue and you got to find the, the, the correct help but I, my first thing would be to trust your body, trust your gut, have those firm boundaries in place around your own body, your own sexuality, because it's not okay. Um, that's, uh, they're having an affair. They're, they're literally getting off and using yeah. other women and then trying to justify that. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. Yeah. And I think it's important for women to also understand that there's nothing they can do about, I mean, once you've confronted them and you've given them an opportunity to get help or, yes. or get change beyond that, you've done your part. There's nothing really more yep. that you can do. Um, exactly. So then looking at your own life and deciding, okay, this is who I'm living with now. This is the kind of person I'm living with now. What kind of person am I? What do I want? Yes. What choices do I have in front of me? What can I do? Where is my control and power? It's obviously yes. not going to be over him. It's going to be in your own life. So, exactly. So on that note, though, do you see, I know that you work with men who mm -hmm. actually do want help. What kind mm -hmm. of success do you see? And I mean, yes. do these women well, have really, hope? Yeah, it really depends on how much they want to suffer, right? People pay me a lot of money mm -hmm. to help them, to help them bleed and to suffer, basically to fillet them like a fish um, and then, and, yes. and create this deep humility, this deep brokenness that then says, I am becoming a safe and a good man who can actually be a good lover. Um, yeah. but, but if they're unwilling to suffer, if they're unwilling to enter the crucifixion, there's no hope for resurrection. There's no hope for change. Yeah, that is so, so good. I, even with the women that I work with, I tell them right up front, going through this is going to be hell. Like if yes. you're up for it, let's go through yeah. hell together. And then you, exactly. that's through that. That's how the transformation takes place. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the only way to trust. That's literally the only way to trust a man who has betrayed. I truly believe men can change. Um, but the only way to do it is if actually it's a bloody transformation, cheap forgiveness or cheap change is not actually helpful. Just giving lip service, just giving a bunch of Bible verses, not helpful to genuine change. There has to be blood. There has to be death. Yes. Unfortunately. That reminds me, I saw in the private forum that I'm part of, um, someone had posted a picture. Their husband had made his bed. They're separated. They're in house separated. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're yes. separated but in the same house. He, she opened his bedroom door and looked, peeked inside. And his, after he'd gone to work, his bed was perfectly made. And on his bed was an open Bible. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
I, I bet she should trust him immediately. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. right. Exactly. Like, like that right there, that is a perfect example of the exact opposite of what would be trustworthy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's this. Here's how I've changed. I make my bed now and I leave an open Bible on top right. of it. Like that's, that's all about performance, right? That's all totally. about, that's, that's completely the opposite. Whereas genuine repentance, genuine change is not about show. It's not about words. It's literally about a lived humility that you walk in and yeah. it's this daily, you know, really non-sexy, just kind of boring change that is consistent and stable over a long period of time. Yes. Yes. Okay. So another woman wrote in, she had a question. Um, she said, I would love to know mm -hmm. if Andrew thinks the marriage intensives that he and his wife conduct are effective mm -hmm. for emotionally abusive men as well. I know he fully gets yes. these type of guys, unlike many counselors who offer intensives, of which I have <clears throat> experience with, by the way. Yes. So I would right. really appreciate hearing his thoughts, experiences, and mm -hmm. perspective on this. Yeah, and I say this all the time. We have to screen everybody that comes in. Anybody who's in active addiction, any any male who's in active abuse, you're not, don't come, don't, it's not going to be helpful. They're not going to pass our screening process. Now, oh, if the man is, if the man is doing what I just described, and he's on this journey, and he's sober, and he's owning his depravity, and, and his wife feels safe, emotionally, you know, safe enough to function, to bring her truth, mm -hmm. then yeah, you might stay in different locations. You might have boundaries with him, but, but yeah, we're going to dive in deep and we're going to, we're going to get to it, but there has to be, there's a baseline. It's, it's not helpful if this dude is just like, he's going to make it about 10 minutes and then I'm going to piss him off so much. He's just, you know, he's going <laughs> to leave. Like, it's not helpful. But there's no refunds, right? Like, I'll take your money, but you're you're gone. Like, it's not okay. You have to have a baseline of health to even do this type of work in relationship. But when that happens, I think it's some of the most the profound work when there's this baseline of health, when you do the recovery together, eye-to-eye, face-to-face, -to -face, and there's that genuine eye-to-eye -eye repentance, genuine brokenness, when you can hold your spouse's face and you can hold, actually see for the first time, the genuine harm that you've perpetrated and the repentance can be so powerful and deep. And then it's done in this intimate, beautiful way, but there has to be pre-work before that. And we screen everybody. And a lot of people don't, we would say no. Interesting. So I'm just curious, <clears throat> like, what are some of the questions that you would ask uh, the man to, that mm -hmm. he would need to pass? So a lot of times, uh, the next step, so, you know, and then, uh, you know, intake or whatever, and then I'll set up, uh, if the dude is kind of questionable or we've got to do more screening to make sure, then we do a, a three phone sessions. We do a, a phone session package where then I, in a sense, counsel, consult with him, uh, over three, three sessions. And then that's where, Hey, is this guy in a safe enough place? Has he done enough work or does he need more weekly work. And then we have a whole affiliate program where there's counselors that, that I've trained with and trust. And so we'll send them to one of our affiliates to do weekly work and to do story work, to dive into their own sexuality, read a bunch of books. You know, they, they gotta, they gotta do the groundwork yeah. before they can even get to a place of safety where couples work is helpful and beneficial. Okay. That's good to know. That's really good mm -hmm. to know. Yeah. I've not seen that with some of, at least the one that, <clears throat> the one that I was part of. Um, it was mostly about well, so me. many. Go ahead. So, yeah, so many, so many are just kind of a general uh, couples therapy without, if you don't have a DV, a domestic violence framework to couples work, 
it can actually be the exact opposite. You're actually just giving them, the perpetrator, more language to be more defensive. And you're actually just training them to actually be better at hiding. Yes. Rather than the exact opposite of what we're trying to do here, which is actually build safety, intimacy, connection, and actually robust, beautiful, pleasurable, se- mutual sexuality. I mean, these are the things that we're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Okay, let's talk about your book. We've answered yes. the questions. Let's talk about your book. Tell us about your book. It just came out. I got a copy. I read it. It's awesome. wonderful. And it's oh, really good you. for, it's not just for guys. It's really, no, it's a great no. book for women to read. Yes. And tell us yeah, why. We're finding a lot of, a lot of women are really connecting with it just because in a sense, they already knew this, but they haven't necessarily experienced they've either experienced a bunch of gaslighting and not a man in a sense affirming like, no, this is actually true what you're experiencing. And here's some language to help define what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I know it because of myself. I know it because I was a porn addict for 13 years. I know it because that came, uh, that long-term addiction helped, uh, what's the right word caused me to look at women as less than my theological training, um, becoming a pastor, being deep in the Southern Baptist church, like, oh, women are less than I'm internalizing this patriarchal theology and thus then treating, not because I'm necessarily a bad dude, but it's because I was trained, but then porn trained me. And I have all these messages from church, from porn that helps cement my, uh, my superior status and women's less than status. Yes, And so that created in me, both an overt abuse, but also a covert abuse that, that I'm perpetrating. Right. Right. And so it takes years, you know, 15 years of my own work, my own therapy in this, in this work to begin to undo. And I'm trying to now language that, you know, all these books that I write are all basically selfish because I'm trying to make sense of my own journey. Right. And I need a place to put that. And then people are connecting with the material and then women are finding more freedom um, in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just say too, um, and for those who aren't familiar with it, this book was written to give more Christian men resources on how to engage their own violence and guide. It's a guide on becoming a good and safe man, but it also gives women the language of betrayal trauma and emboldens them to step into their power. Yes. That's that's why, that's why it was written. So, um, okay. So, Tell us why you wanted to, well, actually I want to go back onto one little thing Mm -hmm. that you said about the theology that is, you know, the patriarch, the idea of patriarchy Mm -hmm. and men being better than women, which they would never say that. I mean, people in those circles would never say men are better than women, but that is the, the, the mentality equal, equal, but different equal, but whatever. Exactly. And, and, And really it's just cloaked in patriarchal, you know, patriarchy. Right. Do you think that that is actually contributes to Mm -hmm. Christian men justifying pornography even? Completely, completely. Yes, they're all intertwined, right? And if, you know, the 50% or a little less than 50% of pastors are using pornography or at least have some type of history of pornography, like that is ingrained yeah. deep in, in the theology. You cannot untangle those two. Yeah. Right. It's so entwined. And how are you going to view scripture? Right. And how are you going to look at certain verses and certain contexts and, you know, leave out certain parts and, you know, pick and choose and proof text. You're going to look at scripture through the lens 
of your privilege, through the lens of your misogyny. Um, And and so, so much of that work has to be undone for you to become a, a good and safe man. Yeah. So I love the title. I, I love the title. I was recently mm-hmm. criticized for using the word badass in my, I don't even know where it was. I thought that was kind of funny, but anyway, um, I love the title of your book, but you're writing yes. to Christians. Were you worried that it might yes. turn off some Christians? <laughs> well, I've definitely heard some feedback and I'm just like, I'm so tired of the game, right? Yeah. I'm so tired of, I curse and I love Jesus. And I, I'm just tired of pretending that it's like, pretending is partly what got me addicted. And, and it's like part of my liberation is I'm going to be fully authentic. I'm a gruff dude. And, and yet I'm just going to be me and, and I can be a bit of an ass and I'm just going to own that. Yeah. And, and the sooner I can own that, I think the sooner my healing comes. And yes. That's the hope for, for my readers as well. Like, okay, the quicker we can get over this, it's like, I don't want to just sit here and talk about your violence, but dude, let's, let's admit it so we can, so we can heal it and move on. Let's get on with it. There's a lot. Right. To right. I have to say, um, the other day I, I swore it wasn't a bad, sw- I don't even remember what I said, but my, <laughs> I have a, I have two little boys, um, 10, and almost mm-hmm. 12. And um, my almost 12 year old like acted shocked. He goes to this little Baptist Christian school and, and he, and his dad is very, you know, very pious and whatever. And so he acted, oh, yeah. he had like an overreaction to the word. Right. And I just said, you know what you have to, I really see, I want my kids to be, I want to normalize that a little bit. Cause I don't want yes. them to grow up and be pompous assholes. I really don't want them to be like that. And I don't want them to look down on and think, well, I'm better than you because I don't say the word. (laughs) Right. I would, that's, I would rather have the heart of my child be all in on the heart of other people and say the word ass than to have him be thinking that he is an amazeballs person while everyone else is ridiculous, (laughs) you know, because he doesn't say that word. For so, sure. Yes. And, and for, for, and I, I mean, well said, and for me, it's, it's a lot of it is about truth, right? And it's like some words actually encompass truth yes. much more fully than other words, yes. you know, and I could write, oh, don't be, don't be a, a butthead. Don't be a jerk. It's just, it's not, it's not as potent. <laughs> no. I want something, I want something potent, right? right. I want something that actually lingers right. and, and you actually have to, to reckon with it. Um, exactly. I, I'm, I, like that's what I'm interested in. So I want to use language that's, that's potent and that actually can lead to, to change. Yeah. So what kind of feedback have you gotten on the book so far? Yeah, mostly good. Definitely some, some stuffy, some stuffy folks. I think I got one really bad review from a pastoral counselor who said how unbiblical, unbiblical <laughs> my book was. But besides that, you know, most of the feedback from actually people on the ground, actually women who are are harmed by betrayal trauma, and then the men who are doing the harming have been uh, wildly complimentary. Oh, good. Good. Yes. So why did you decide to write this book in the first place? Because you've already <clears throat> got some great resources out there. What yeah, is different yeah, about yeah. this I, one? I didn't, uh, because of kind of falling in, accidentally falling into, you know, I started my private practice just as real a generalist. Right. And over the years of dealing with my own shame and kind of accidentally falling into the sexuality piece and then starting to write about porn and starting to write about sexuality and then realizing more and more, I was kind of falling into this category uh, or this group of people uh, around betrayal trauma and this whole tribe 
of people that it was kind of an accident. I didn't really want to be a part of that group, but like, Oh, I need resources around abuse, more, more language, not just around sexuality, even though there's so much intersection, I need to continue to write about this particular Mm. portion. And even though I feel a bit of of a unicorn as as a man in this space, it's like, this is like, I'm called to this. I need to write about this. And so I just spent the last year writing about these essays and um, yeah, just wanted to, to put that together as a quick resource for people. Is that what you did? You just kind of wrote S you just yeah. wrote, Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, I love so, that idea. So I, I kind of, I'm my, my writing goal is kind of to stagger, um, independently self-publish these little essays and continue to do that, but then stagger with, with larger books. Uh, so my stumbling towards wholeness was a, was a large book with nav press. Okay. And then my next, my next uh, big project, uh, I interviewed 2,800 women who, who worked, who's worked in churches and who have an experience of sexism. And so I've got all that data. And so that's my next big project that I'll publish with a large publisher. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Okay. I am meeting with someone tomorrow. Um, I'm meeting with a, a a filmmaker group. I want to do a documentary on abuse in the church. And I know, but that, that like that book or that information, that's the kind of thing I want. So they're going to have to interview you for this documentary. You'll have to get interviewed because that sounds like an amazing study that, Yes. It would have, uh, yeah. So I've just got so many stories, right? So basically it's not, it's not me going to kind of let my own voice, but it's basically like, let's hear the voice of women who are on the ground, who have 20 years of experience. What are their stories yes. about serving in these churches? And then how do we change? And then it's going to be rooted more in a theological underpinning that Jesus actually showed us examples of how to engage women and, and how to bring women's voice up to the forefront to, to co-lead together. Wow. So when are you hoping to have that done by? Do you have a uh, so it's actually, it? it's actually my, my dissertation. So I'm doing, okay. so I'm currently doing my whole dissertation and then that's going to hopefully finish up in the next six months. And then that'll turn into the next, to the next book. Um, oh my gosh. I love I know, that you I'm can excited. do a dissertation and also make a book at the same time. Oh, exactly. Practical. That's, that's, the, that's the, that's, that's why. Yes. So does it have a title yet or can you not give that away? Um, and there's a rough title um, called The Elephant in the Church, A Women's Experience. Oh, oh my of gosh, sexism. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Oh, I cannot wait to read that. That yes. is so exciting. Yes. I'm oh calling. my gosh, you're making me want to go do that. No, I don't really want to do that. All right. <laughs> so not do that, but I mean, do some, do some kind of project sure. like that. Um, okay. So I, I don't. I'm not. Oh, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Okay. So mm-hmm. my people are the women that I work with are all, you know, we're emo- they're emotional and spiritual abuse survivors. I don't really do mm-hmm. a lot with the sexual abuse, but although there are tons right. of people in my program that are dealing with that too, because sure. I feel like they sure. all kind of go yes. hand in hand. They all so, overlap a lot of ways. Yeah. So when people ask me, you know, what do I do about sexual betrayal trauma or whatever? Mm-hmm. I just pass them on. Cause I'm like, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go look at his resources. Um, <laughs> there there's some go. other people that talk about it too. I think, I mean, Sheila yes. talks a lot about the whole sex thing as far as from the women's yep. perspective. And there are some other resources out there too. Do you know of yeah. any off the top of your hand, head that can. Yeah. 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 I feel like, uh, you know, Sarah McDougall talks a lot about that. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Jay. Yep. Jay Stringer, um, his book unwanted is one of the best resources for, for men with unwanted sexual behaviors. 
as far as particular, you know, betrayal trauma, um, you know, those are probably the best that I can think of off the top of my head. Is the one unwanted um, for women specifically, or is it, it for it men? It is not. No. Yeah. It's, well, it's both, but it's mostly for for men with or people with unwanted sexual behaviors. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry, it's not necessarily sexual. It's not necessarily sexual betrayal trauma recovery resources. Okay. Per se. Um, but yeah, no, there's not many, sadly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're in that space for sure. I mean, I feel like we need more, and we've said this too, people have said this too. We need more men, even men that are able to help male victims of abuse. Cause sadly there are a lot of them out there. There there really are. And that's not my, you know, my specialty. And yet I get requested a lot. It's like, that's not my thing. And yet there's so many, it's true. Yeah, there are. That is not my specialty either. (laughs) <laughs> I just recently know had I know, <laughs> no when to draw those boundaries. Someone just emailed me and said, could I be in your group? I know I'm a male, but I'm like, <laughs> that would be a hard no. Um, <clears throat> but I will say if any, if there are any guys listening, there is a good website called shrink for men. It's shrink mm. like S H R I N K the number four and then men.com. Yes. And it's a woman who runs that blog, but it's got great articles for guys nice. who are dealing with um, emotionally abusive women. Nice. So That's good to know. Well, do, is there anything else that you'd like yeah. to share well, about your book? Yeah, or? I, I, I want to, yeah, let me just, I want to touch on one of the, I, I think it'd be good to, to clarify. What is the difference between like a good and safe man versus an ass? Uh, yeah. like what are some, what are some categories that, that especially your listeners can really look for? Um, and so, yeah, there's just a few categories here that I, I want to talk and we can just kind of go back and forth. The first one, a good and safe man seeks to serve versus an ass seeks to be served. Mm. And I think that's a really good distinction between, uh, you know, a, a, a humble spirit, right? Uh, one who seeks to serve versus it's all about me, right? Or there's that entitlement of you are supposed to serve me as the woman. You are supposed to cook and clean. Right. You're supposed and to make my sandwiches. Yeah. Did, did you this, see that? Um, <laughs> oh, did you I see did. that I joke did. out there? Um, yeah. I did. Actually, it wasn't Doug a joke. Wilson. I think that lady was, no, or yeah. Oh yeah, it was Doug it was Wilson. Doug Wilson, yeah. There's Ask another, there's another yeah. uh, blogger out there. Um, oh gosh, what is, something homemaker. The, yep, yep. what is her mm-hmm. name? Anyways, she's, I think she was the one who first put that out there that women were supposed to be making. If your husband wakes oh. you up in the middle of the night and wants a sandwich, you're supposed to get that and make it for him. Yeah. Unreal. So Unreal. that Unreal. just means yes. that your husband's an ass. Oh, plain and simple. Right. And, and the whole sex on demand and, you know, the pornographic view of sex. It's just like you as a woman are there to serve me completely. Yeah. And it's just this, it's so absurd. Yeah. And just opposite of, <laughs> of everything good and holy, like, right. No, a partnership, a mutuality. Now, yeah, I'm barfing my brains out in the middle of the night, have COVID and I wake my wife up to give me a blanket. And like, that's very different. Right. <laughs> hey, babe, right. can you help me? I'm suffering. I need help versus just this weird, like I am the king and you serve me at yep. my beck and call. Yeah. Right. So that's that's the first category. The second, a good and safe man is reflective versus reactive. Mm. Reflective versus reactive. So uh, my wife can criticize me or you know say something and I immediately feel that rising up. Mm-hmm. What do I do in that moment? Right. Right. 
I probably need a timeout. I need, you know, what can I self-reflect in that moment? I'm feeling, babe, I'm feeling defensive. Can you ask that in a different way? Or can I sit with that for a moment and get back to you? Like, am I going to just, in a sense, be curious, reflect, or am I going to immediately react, defend, fight back? Yeah. Um, which is very common, easy to do for all of us, right? Yes, to, yes. To be reactive rather than reflective. Yep. Um, the next category is a good and safe man is a, is a humble man versus arrogant. We touched on that a little bit, but right. Mm-hmm. There's this sense of pride, this I've got it all together versus I think truly a good and safe man is a humble man. Mm-hmm. He knows his wounds. He knows his darkness. He knows his depravity and he knows his goodness. He knows both and he can hold both. Right. Uh, and that, cre- that creates a humility that really makes him safe. Right. Um, any other thoughts uh, that you wanted to add to that? Well, I would say that for sure. I, I noticed even in my past relationship that he had, he had, I, I said he had a wall that was like six feet thick between yeah. me and him to protect himself. Yes. And, and he didn't want to see that, that there was a bad side that, you know, that there could be any dark in him. The, yes, pr- the problem right. is not that we have darkness inside of us. Like the problem is not that, I mean, cause my, my, I'm remarried, but my, my current husband gets that he's sometimes he's an ass. Yeah, like exactly. he would, he would admit that to you and, right. and, which and makes would, you feel safe that totally. you can be fully, that you can be fully human in his presence. Exactly. And, and then when, I, if I do bring up something or I say, you know, I don't really like that, or I can even say it's snarky to him. And he will, of course, do what all humans do. And he might not say anything because he's like taking a step back and Mm -hmm. gathering himself together. But he always comes back and says he's sorry. He always comes back and says, you know what? You're right. I didn't really I didn't respond well there or I didn't really behave well there or whatever. I'm really sorry about that. We, you know, will you please forgive me? And then then he's going to do it differently in the future. Exactly. He's not just going to say sorry. He's actually going to live it differently in the future. That is so true. We don't keep going in the same circles all the time. (laughs) So, but again, it's because he's okay. And he would readily say, yeah, this is where I, I kind of struggle in this area. Whereas in my former relationship, that was never you. He had to be perfect. It's so hard to be perfect. Yep. Nobody it's, a, it's impossible. Right. 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 Which, which goes right into the next point. A healthy, good and safe man is centered and secure versus yes. the, the ass is insecure and unaware. Right. Yes. So, so if you have any type of reflection, he's immediately going to take it personally. He's immediately going to be, well, and be defensive. And if you, if you are married to an insecure man who's completely unaware of his own story and his, where he comes from, his family of origin, how he, how he relates to the world, that's a dangerous relationship to be in. Yes, it he is. is not centered. He does not know who he is. He does not know why he is, right? Why he's here, his right. purpose. He, and until you've done that work, you're not secure in yourself. And so if he's a little boy acting out, and you're trying to just bring a normal complaint, whew, you know, you're not, right. just, you're going to get that little shamed little boy who's going to lash out. Exactly. Can I say too, that it has to be them initiating that they, them recognizing 
and initiating that they want to become more aware of their story and they want to yes. learn more about themselves. It can't be because, because I see a lot of victims or survivors mm-hmm. who will be like, they'll tell their husband, you should go to counseling. You were molested right. as a child. Why don't, aren't you going to counseling and getting help for that? Maybe that's why, mm-hmm. you know, why you're struggling so much. They're, they might go to counseling to appease her, to get her off their back. But if they're not Correct. going because they're intrinsically motivated for themselves, for their own sakes, to understand their story, mm-hmm. then nothing is going to happen. And to that point, Correct. I will say this, my, the, my current husband that I'm married to, he was in mm-hmm. therapy for years. He, he's the, I'm his first wife, but he was in therapy for years before he ever met me. So that well, is, so yeah. it is possible for men to say, you know what? I need help in this area. I want yep. to learn more about who I am and why I tick or, you know, how yes. I tick. And I need outside help to get it. I'm going to invest yes. in that part of my life. And that's, then, that's what adults do. Yes. By the way, right. Yes. Versus if you're married to <laughs> an adolescent, if you're married to an adolescent boy, he's going to say, mommy, come help me, you know, get me a therapist call. I mean, yes. I barely, I, I ignore, I mean, I don't, my assistant takes care of it, but basically when the, when women are emailing and my husband needs, can we set up an appointment? Just like, what is he, is he five? Is he, is he 10? Like he knows how to use email, right? Or my phone number is on the, my website. Um, he can call, he can, he can schedule something with my assistant. Like I, I it's just like, it's, it's so absurd Yes. Um, and then so many times women are overworking to, yes. because their husbands are under functioning yes. and it's not helpful. No, we don't want to enable not. him to be a you know, lazy ass. We actually want him to rise up because I believe in men so deeply that they're so capable yes. and that they've just been, been pacified and pacified. Um, and it's just not, that's not the way out. That's not yep. the way to healing. Women, you have to stop doing that. Okay. You have to focus on your own healing and your own life and let, so I tell the women in my program, it's like, it's like you're married to a duck. Just if, just for an analogy, we're not saying that Mm. men are ducks, but it's like, you're married to a duck, but you think that he should be, that your duck should be a cat. And you are so confused why your Mm. duck keeps quacking. He should be meowing. And so you try to change him into a cat when he's a duck, he's always going to be a duck. And if he wants to turn into a cat or whatever, I guess this is where the analogy totally breaks down, but (laughs) he would need to go and do that himself. You can't turn your pet duck into a cat. So once they accept that, then they can go, okay, well, that's who he is. Now, who am I going to be? Yes, exactly. And then you focus on your own growth. Yeah, exactly. So so what else? Uh, So the next category is a good and safe man seeks mutuality and equality versus seeks power and control. So complementarians can't be, they're all asses? Is that what you're saying? Um, Well, um, that would be a longer conversation, but. um, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to get in really big trouble with the religious police now. I won't, I won't go that far. And yet it's also probably not that far off. Um, <laughs> but yes, do you seek power and control? Do you, do you seek mutuality in your relationship, in your marriage, equality? And that actually means equality, right? That actually yes. means not just lip service. That actually means shared responsibilities. That actually means, okay, you, you clean the kitchen on Mondays and Thursdays and I'll clean it, you know, on Wednesdays, Fridays, 
like we're going to share responsibility right because we both we both hate it or you're really good at finances i suck okay can you take the lead on that right it's just like a right. team captain and right. we go by state we go by skill set we go by god-given abilities right not by roles because you have a vagina and i have a penis like that exactly. doesn't make any sense that it that doesn't, doesn't make sense it no, doesn't but, but we're but we're a team and how do we make our team successful well yes. if you're more talented in this area then you'll take the lead and i'm going to follow you and vice yep. versa i'm i'm better at xyz my wife follows me we it's a shared mutuality yeah and that's what makes the healthiest marriages yes can you even imagine what the church would be like if they actually believed and lived all of that out or what this world yes. would be like and shouldn't yes. we as christians be leading in that Correct. that sort of peaceful and christ <clears throat> god-centered like this is how he yeah. made us to be and we've yes. just taken the word of God and twisted it into this crazy exactly. caricature of only God knows what. Pompous exactly. And, right. And just fed into this, you know, a patriarchal view where now you can't even, you can't even tease out what's patriarchy and what's Christianity. It's so intertwined. Exactly. You almost don't even know which way is which. Exactly. And, and yeah. So our final one, a good and safe man, he seeks to know and to be known versus isolated and alone, right? So mm -hmm. this is not just accountability groups. This is actually genuine, deep knowing self and knowing being curious of the other versus, you know, just being isolated, being alone, not having those mutual vulnerable relationships. Yes. Right. So that's what we're looking for. It's not just that accountability group where you go and check off the boxes. How many times you know, did you masturbate or whatever? It's just like, no, it's, that's absurd. It's not about oh. that. It's literally about sharing your life, letting go of your power and control and being truly real with mm -hmm. people. This, this past week I had a <clears throat> men's trip, uh, my buddies to Mexico, you know, and, and we all took an intentional time, um, each dinner to, to, you know, you had whatever, 20, 30 minutes where it was all about you. And you just got to share how we can support each other, how we can be with each other. And, you know, I, during my time sharing some, we, my wife and I, we just moved across the country full time. And it's just, it's been so hard. It's been so difficult. Mm -hmm. And just, I, I just shared and ended up just crying, you know, with these men in the middle of some restaurant in Mexico. And they just held me well. Um, you know, he's curious and question. It's like, oh, these are like, these are my, my boys. These are my people. These are my, like, I do life with these men and, and they're going to offer that vulnerability as well. And it's a give yeah. and take, it's a mutuality. And that creates me to have a healthier masculinity where I have a group of men that call me out on my stuff that also will hold me in my own brokenness. Um, yeah. and, and like, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, desire to, to both know and to be known versus just I'm on my own. Um, but then you hear the buzzwords of community and accountability in church all the time. And then you have this weird version of that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. I, I remember I remember uh, my first year of grad school and we're do, we do these uh, we did this these therapy groups where you share your story. And I was just like, it's my first year. And I share my <clears throat> my testimony. I was like, oh, I'm going to kill it. Right. Cause I'd, I'd already been a pastor and I, just, I 
man, Jesus, save me, wrap it up in a bow, you know, sex, drugs, <laughs> rock and roll. And I like brought, I brought the whole, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, Jesus. And everybody just kind of opened their mouth and just looked at me when I was, you know, after I was shared, it was like, where are you? And I was like, huh? It's like, wait, you're supposed to, I just, I just slayed this. I just, I spoke so eloquently because I had been doing this as a pastor for so long. I knew how to work a room. Yeah. I knew how to talk. I knew how to, and they didn't respond the way I had, mm. I was ready for them to, to take it. Like I yeah. was already, I already was way ahead of them. I knew how to control the room. So my vulnerability was not actually vulnerability at all. Right. I was honest. I was honest. I told a story that, yeah, I was honest. I wasn't vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And so how do you break down when, when the church is, is in a sense called honesty, vulnerability, when, when, when I was doing all those sermons, and I was slaying the room, I wasn't vulnerable at all. Mm-hmm. And yet what I talked about, I talked about vulnerable things. I was honest about my, my father, my the brokenness of my family, all that. But I, I was in full control the entire time. Yeah. Would you until say that, that was exposed. Would you say Go that ahead. you, at that time in your life, were you not super connected with who you actually were inside? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, people who are connected with themselves, with the good and the bad and accept yes. themselves. And those are the people that actually do have the greatest capacity to connect with other people on that deep levels anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And we're not talking about, you know, just hating on all pastors here. I'm sure some do it really well, but just my own story of using that kind of socialization of, of church culture, I was actually hiding there. Yeah. Well, and I think church culture actually promotes that hiding because you are supposed to be, you are supposed to have it all together. If you are a good Christian, you aren't going to be making all these mistakes. You aren't going to be struggling in these ways. And so everyone's pretending to themselves even. And that's why there's so little connection and true love and And care for one another. Totally. And working with, you know, working with pastors, it's like such a lonely thing because if they're honest, they lose their yeah. jobs or, you know, it's just like, oh, geez, yes. it's like, wait a minute. We have to create something different. We have to create something where we're, we're sojourners, where we're trying to understand God more fully together and, and nobody's perfect. And, and we're and not just lip service, but actually practicing authenticity in a real way. That's right. Well, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Where can yeah, people get welcome. your book? Yeah, yeah. You can just get it on Amazon. It's probably the easiest easiest place. And then, yeah, you can find our work at uh, www.christiancc.org. And that's the organization that my wife and I run and our uh, counseling and consulting practice. And then my writings, andrewjbauman.com. Okay. Yeah, and we'll we'll have all of those links in the show notes so people can just quick link over to those places. And I think that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, fly free.